We're coming to the end of the journey that we've been on, thinking about how Jesus turns our approach so often inside out, that he does it one way, and over time we've morphed into doing things a different way. So we can read the Gospels, and if we're, if we're not careful, read into the Jesus story things that we naturally do and see that perhaps are not there. And so we've tried to go back to the Gospels and to, uh, and to understand what was there at the beginning and to bring that back to our own experience. And we've seen how, for example, Jesus is perhaps concentrated on getting people sent, whereas we might focus our time on trying to get people seated, that, that Jesus spent his time trying to empower everybody to do uh, the work of ministry, whereas we might have traditionally focused our efforts in a few people doing the work of ministry, and so on and so forth. Uh, and as we come to the end of that journey, uh, I want this morning to press the pause button to, to help us think about what we might be able to do in response. It's easy sometimes to become disorientated when we look afresh at the life of Jesus and in some ways seems quite different to what we have known and it's easy to lose sight of how we might respond to it. So I I want us this morning to concentrate not so much on being overwhelmed by what we feel we can't do but to focus on perhaps something we feel we can do. There's that story that you will know of the woman that uh, anointed Jesus' feet and was praised because she did what she could do. Uh, And that's the way Jesus describes it. Um, He he says after she's poured this oil onto uh, uh, Jesus' feet that she would be remembered not for all the things she couldn't do, but she would be remembered for what she could do. This woman was aware that Jesus was approaching his death. She couldn't stop the crucifixion. She couldn't hold back the soldiers. She couldn't overturn the events that were already set in motion. But she could do, obviously, what she could do. And the Bible says that she's remembered for doing what she could. So I want us to to approach this morning from that end, as it were, of things. To think not about what I can't do just now, but what can I do? Because it's doing what we can do that created for that woman and also for us that that reality of being honoured and remembered now some 2,000 years later. Why? Because she did something in the end that was quite little. But in Jesus' economy, in his agenda, little things become big things. You've seen that work in your life when you've done something small as an act of kindness, an act of generosity, an act of appreciation, and the response has been much bigger than the act. You know what I'm talking about. So you can do something small, but in God's economy, something that's small like that can create a really big difference in people's lives. Uh, And that story of the loaves and the fish 
hopeless in the face of all of those people being fed. But Jesus said, look, let's just take these loaves and these fish and let's put them to use in God's kingdom and in God's purpose. And we know the rest of the story that 5,000 or even more than that were fed. So I want us to think this morning then about some of the things that we can do. And I've got 14 things I think we can do. And, and, and I'm not asking you to do 14. 13 will be fine. No, 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 no. I'm asking you to look for the one thing where you go, I could do that. I could do that. And that's it. And, and as it always is in God's purpose, we start being faithful with the one thing we hear him speaking about. And from that place, we find a platform from which to grow more fully into what God has for us. So, 14 things we can do. I suggest we pray as we get going. Father, would you help us? Father, would you speak to us? Father, would you enlighten us? And Father, would you empower us? Help us never to become paralyzed by the many things we feel we ought to do or should do. Help us to find freedom in discovering what we can do. And in the way that that woman poured that perfume on your feet, it was what she could do. You were honored and her kingdom activity was remembered. So as we offer what we can offer, our loaves and our fish, we're asking that you would be honoured. And what we do would be remembered, not in terms of our honour, but remembered in terms of its impact for your kingdom in the days ahead. So help us think through some of these things together. Amen. So we've got um, uh, four headings around which just to help us think this morning about things that we might be able to do when we're asking the question, what can I do? What can I do? Uh, And the first uh, sort of little group of things that I want us to think about are things that we can do as individuals. Uh, Things that we can take away from the teaching over these last weeks and go, well, I can do that. And uh, it doesn't necessarily need to involve anybody else. That's just me. Uh, and then there are other things where we're, we're in a group context. It could be a, a small group. It could be a, a, an organization within the church. It could be just a relational grouping uh, of, uh, of friends. But different groups of people where, where you might say, well, as a group of people, we could do this. And we'll have a few things uh, around that. Then we'll think a little bit more about some of the missional communities that exist and how those of us who aren't part of a missional community at the moment might be able to uh, or might choose to run relate to them, and then finally we'll think about what God might be speaking to us personally into uh, the future. So, the first one there, a more missional life. The first thing that we could do in response to all that we've heard over these last few weeks, the first thing we could do is to be intentional about our people of peace. We heard last week about those people that God brings into our lives that particularly welcome us, 
particularly serve us and seem more open to the people that we are than others. And as we identify those people, we need to make some deliberate choices in our lives to build greater relationship with them. All of us can build friendships. All of us can build with people. And we do that in all kinds of different ways, in all kinds of different circumstances and contexts, but all of us can do that. So the people that you've started to think about, who offer you a welcome, who seek to serve you, that might be particularly open to you, what might you do over these next weeks or months to make your relationship with those people stronger? That's something that we could do. Secondly, we could as individuals reflect on how we spend our time during a given week. The time we spend worshipping, connecting with God. The time we spend with God's people, uh, encouraging them, challenging them, or being encouraged and challenged by them. Or the time that we spend reaching out to people that don't yet know Jesus, either in our families or beyond. And through the summer, it creates an ideal opportunity to think back over the year that's gone, Think about what we're hoping for the year that's coming and just ask, have I got the balance right? Is all my Christian life tied up with Christian people and therefore the balance is wrong? Am I spending most of my time not connecting with Christian people at all so the balance is wrong? How often do I worship? What's the balance like? That's a response that all of us can make. We can think also, as we're thinking about the season that's gone and the season that's coming, think about the the rhythms and routines of our lives. One of the most powerful things about the life of Jesus is that he became a man at a particular time and in a particular place. So he wasn't just a man, he was a Jewish man. He wasn't just a Jewish man, he was a Jewish country man. He came from the country, from Galilee, he spoke with a local accent. In other words, his life was focused in a particular place. Usually, or perhaps often, when we think about where God might want to use us, we don't immediately think of that focused place where God has put us, but we think of perhaps going to a new place. What if we were to think about the rhythms and routines of the life that we already live? And how we might think about those as being part of what God is doing in our lives. So if you go to school every day to take the kids back and forth, that's a regular rhythm, a routine. What's God doing in those sets of relationships? If you sit around a desk with the same people every day, what's God saying uh, and asking of you in that particular set or group of relationships or work, wherever it might be, in your neighborhood, and what might you do to be more open to what God can do through you? So, for example, um, uh, I'm fortunate enough, because of the rhythm of my week, to walk my kids to school, well, only one of them left that gets walked now, to walk uh, Evan, who's our youngest child at school, twice a week. So that rhythm works out for me. And um, it would be easy, uh, in a sense, to, to put him in the car and drop him at the gate and go on to what was next. 
What is more fruitful, I've discovered, is to think, okay, that's a routine, a rhythm that I do. I'm going to walk there because when I walk there, I meet people. When I meet people, I talk to them. And when you talk to people, it opens up the possibility of God doing something. Uh, And so by thinking a little bit differently about the rhythms and routines we already have, we might make ourselves more open to the mission that God has for us. And that leads, I guess, into this fourth uh, idea about thinking sent, not seated. Thinking sent, not seated. So, uh, um, we talked about this on one of the, the, the sermons about how Jesus was, was really committed to, to sending the disciples and we might organize our life trying to draw people in to be seated and how we need a change of direction to think sent. What does it mean to think as someone who's been sent in those places where you already are or in the ordinary comings and goings of your life? This came home uh, particularly to me um, some weeks ago when I had to go to the bank. I was really annoyed that I had to go to the bank. Suddenly, out of the blue, uh, all our checkbooks and bank books, and we've got like, I don't know, four or five accounts. We keep moving the money around, and they don't realize how little we've got. It's a great way. I recommend it. Just open another one, move it around a bit. Everybody thinks it's fine. So we had... um, uh, 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 five new sets of checkbooks, five new paying-in books all arrive at our door, uh, just out of the blue, all of them without Kerry's name on any of them. <laughs> just like that, just out of nowhere, clear blue sky. That's what she says. Anyway, a uh, clear blue sky. And, and so I, I ring up, I can't do the, the accent, but I ring up and I say, um, I've just received all these books that I don't need, but the most interesting thing is that it hasn't got my wife's name on it. And, um, uh, and she says... Do you not remember taking her name off? (laughs) To which I said, I've been married 22 years. We've had joint accounts for 25 years. I think I'd remember if one day I woke up and said, would you take my wife's name off the bank accounts? Oh, you sure you cannot remember? So anyway, no, I, I, I can't remember taking her off the bank accounts. Can we put her back on? Very good, Mr. Harris. We can put her back on as if she was never on in the first place. So anyway, I get promised new sets of books. So new sets of books turned up, but it didn't have any change of details. Still me only on all. So, okay, I've got to go into the bank, sort all this out. So I'm really fed up. Made this appointment Saturday morning to go into the bank. Last place on earth I want to go on a Saturday morning. We've got a branch, fortunately, just around the corner. And I went there for my 11 o'clock appointment. Uh, and I sat there at, at 5 to 11, and I was still sitting there at 5 past 11. But between 11 o'clock and 5 past, uh, something happened. And I could see it unfolding in front of me. The previous uh, appointment had come to an end, just in time for my 11 o'clock. The lady who was going to see me walked out into the waiting room, saw only me there, looked at a piece of paper, didn't have enough courage to say anything, and moved on. And then she moved back a little bit later, looked at the piece of paper, didn't have enough courage to say anything, and then moved back into her office. And I'm thinking, I know what's happening here. Uh, And then the third time she came out, and I made it so obvious that I would be friendly and willing to speak, that she dared to open her mouth and said, are you the Reverend Harris? (laughs) 
You know, uh, so here I am, hacked off being at the bank, and I were playing all this silly stuff, you know. Uh, and the reason that it was all odd is that I knew what was happening, because um, we had bank accounts way before I was ever a reverend, and I never bothered changing it to reverend. I thought, I'll wait till I'm knighted and go straight to sir. That's what I thought. So, 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 so I knew that something weird's gone. Anyway, so in the end, we said it was. So, so here I am in this kind of grump and stew of let's get on with this and get out of the way. Bank have been a right pain and sort it out. And then I heard the whisper, what if you're sent here? What if you're sent here? And it kind of stopped me in my tracks there in the bank, to be honest. Because my attitude was all wrong. I didn't want to be there. I was fed up. I didn't have any particular interest in, in, in the person who was dealing with me in that sense. This was just a, a process to get through. Uh, and I hear the Spirit say, what if you're sent here? And so I started uh, a conversation with her. Uh, in a way that you don't normally have to do, do you? You just answer the questions, you know. How long have you been working at the bank? Do you enjoy working at the bank? All of this stuff. Uh, and within a few moments, within a few moments, she said, do you know what? I, I love working at the bank because every meeting is different because people come in here and they begin to talk about the problems that clearly they've got no one else to talk to. And suddenly I said, oh, I know a bit about that. My job sometimes looks like that. And suddenly this whole conversation opened up. Uh, I was able to talk about what I love about my job is that people who are struggling can find Jesus, they can find forgiveness and stuff. And it's just all there in the bank. Why? Not because I went with some whizzy agenda, because I didn't. I went with a bad attitude. But in the middle of that, the Spirit whispered and said, you're sent. Uh, And and I've I've really tried to change my approach in different scenarios, uh, uh, just to think like that. And you can see perhaps how thinking differently about the normal things that we have to do in our lives can alter our focus and push us forward. So four things that we could do to help us live a more missional life. Yes. No. Great. Absolutely, yeah, no, no, absolutely, we've still got our joint account, it's fantastic. But, but the keen organisations that want to write to you every time your direct debit changed wrote to me about eight letters in this whole process. You've changed your direct debit, no I haven't, you've changed it, changed it back, changed it back, changed it back. Anyway, it's all good, it's all good. Uh, so the second thing to think about is that, if we're, it, that we do things not just on our own, but we do things in different units, don't we? It might be your family unit, your extended family unit. It might be your uh, small group unit. It might be uh, a, a, an organization within the church. It might be a certain set of relationships. So thinking now about how we might respond, not just as individuals, but in our wider sets of uh, relationships and what that might look like. The first thing that we could do is to um, be intentional about praying more for people's front line. All of us have got a front line where, where the mission field of our lives is at its sharpest. For most of us, it might be in work, in paid employment, or in our neighborhood. For some of us, our front lines within our own families. And, and we could become more inside out if we just agreed as a group that we're going to talk more and pray more about our front lines. 
So in the group that you're thinking of, small group, organization, team, whatever it might be, how aware are you of what the front lines might be for the other people in that group? Because talking about those and being aware of those, I found is a really helpful way of keeping me on track with my front line, but also supporting those others with their front line. So think about, do I know who the people of peace are for the others in my group, my whatever it is, and am I praying for them and helping them? You could, of course, and we've tried this in different ways, decide that as a group, you're going to do something missional together. So rather than saying as a group, we've all got our different missional frontiers, which you probably have, in addition to that, you might say, well, as a group, whatever that group is, we could do something uh, missional together. So a small group took it on themselves for a period of time uh, to wash cars in a particular street. Another small group took it upon themselves to to host something for uh, single mums that were struggling or single parents that were struggling. And at different times in our journey, we've had a go at different out activities. Other groups support perhaps a mission overseas. So what is it that as a group we might do together for an out? Uh, my, My advice would be little and often is much better than big and rare. Yeah, so we tend to think if we're going to do something, we'll do some big thing. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but because it's a big thing, it'll probably be a long time before you do another big thing, and what we're really after is building relationships. So do something small, and often would probably be um, real, a real help. So on five, six, seven, here we go. Think about the next step in your group to become more like a family. Remember we talked a few weeks ago about the extended family being the building block for the mission and ministry of Jesus in both the Gospels and in the the whole of the New Testament. In fact, the whole of the Bible, the building block was the extended family for what God was doing. So what, what might you do in that group to be a little more like a family? So you, you may well, because it's summer, have a summer meal. Why not have a meal every month? through the year, as a, as, as a little step to, to being more of a family. Don't make it a big meal, a posh meal, a special meal, because you'll run out of energy, a normal meal. If it's family, then it's got to be at the normal family level, yeah? And uh, uh, what about finding another opportunity for your group just to pray together for one another that's outside the normal rhythms of your meetings? Or what about just doing something for fun. That's allowed. I was a Christian a long time before I realized Christians could do something without singing a hymn, but you can. You can just do something because it's fun, and what will happen is that the level of your relationships will go up, and that will help you in the way that you journey together in your faith. So, Uh, think about what might you be able to do as a family or to express something a little more family-related than you might otherwise do. And of course, you could explore, uh, as a group, becoming a missional community, and perhaps we'll say a bit more about that towards the end. Third area, then, to think about is this one, about joining uh, a missional community. I think there is huge value 
given where we are as a church, for people to go and look and see. We learn so much, don't we, by actually going and seeing what it's like. So I could tell you what it's like in my family, but it would be a totally different experience altogether for you to come and live with us for a week, believe me. And that's the same for all of us. We can communicate a little bit, but we can express so much more by becoming part of, even for a short time, those sets of relationships or that particular activity or whatever. I would like to encourage you to think about going and seeing what family life is like within a missional community. Because what we tend to see of the missional communities is only that little bit of the family life that's public. So you might see us as a family when we're out together, we're all coming to church, we've all gone to the kids weekend or whatever it is, and you might go, that's the Harris family. But it's only a little glimpse of who we are as a whole family that you would not see because you tend to see the bits that are outside the front door, so to speak. So when we look at Feet for the Street this morning, we just see the bit that's outside the front door. If you pop in the time to sew, and I'd encourage you you to do that, you would just see the bit that's outside the front door. If you pop into a Sidegate family community, when they're meeting as a community, you'll see the bit that's outside the front door. What I'm inviting you to think about is to go and see and share in the life of that particular missional family. Because you'll discover that much more is going on that's not outside the front door, that will help and encourage you, I think, I believe, in your own walk and in your own journey. So think about, over the summer, what it might look like for you to go and see a missional community. And probably, in our church, most of you uh, uh, have friendships and relationships with people that are in a missional community that create those obvious lines of connection. If you've got absolutely no idea where to start, then come and see me or Julie or Dawn, and we'll, we'll more than uh, happily help you find a way of getting connected in. You might want to start praying for each of the missional communities and asking for some information about their life. It's another way of beginning to see what's going on, as it were, behind the door or under the bonnet. And I know Chris and Jane Hewson, as part of their prayer initiatives, have set aside time on a Monday to pray for missional communities. And you might be uh, pleased to get hold of, of the information that they put out to help encourage prayer for missional communities. So see Jane, uh, just wave, Jane's uh, just out there if, uh, if that's of help. So, so an, another thing that you, uh, notice I'm not inviting you to go and do a load of stuff because that's what we're all stressed out about is that if I rock up anywhere, I'll get a job. And if I start doing a job in church life, I'll need to do it for a hundred years. The, the invitation is not to do a job. The invitation is to go and see to go and be part of, to go and experience, to go and relate to. Now, albeit in that, you might end up doing some things. But there's so much more to the life together than doing the task. So, whatever number we're on, it's too small for me to see, uh, 11. You might want to accept the invitation to be part of a missional family, a missional community. As we journey as a church... 
and we, 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 we place a little bit less emphasis on all being together as a family, and we place a bit more emphasis on actually the way God wants to build us is in groups of extended families, inevitably as we make that journey, and you may remember the graph I drew uh, a year or so ago about the valley of the shadow of death, inevitably it feels sometimes uh, I'm on the outside. I'm not part of this. I'm, not in, I'm excluded from this. And we feel that. And there are people as part of our journey together that feel in that place. I'm on the outside. I, somehow I'm not part of the in-group, whoever the in-group happened to be. So over the last 18 months, just in case you've missed it, you have been invited to join nine missional families. All of you have been invited nine times to join a missional family. I don't say that so you're going, oh, you know. What I'm saying that for is for us all to realize this is something for all of us to be involved with. All of us to be included. However we choose, the invitation is there for you to share in the missional life of, at the moment, nine missional families in the life of our church. And to be honest... When Sherry got up a couple of weeks ago and, uh, and we launched Impact and we, we prayed for them and, uh, and some of the, 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 part, the members of that community shared the, the difference that being family had made to their lives, it was fantastic, wasn't it? And, and, and Sherry said, we need some help. We, we want you to be part of this family. We, we, we need a bigger family. We need our family to grow. I have to say, the invitation doesn't get better than that. You can see what God's doing. You can see how he's at work. And so what we're, what we're just inviting people to be part of is to join a set of relationships where we're, we're seeing in different ways God being at work. It's not that he's not at work in other ways. Of course he is. He's, he's at work right across our church. And we're looking forward to telling those stories next week. But there are some specific ways that we've seen in recent times where, where God's really been stirring and, and making a difference. And there's a, an invitation for you to be part of that. And that's an invitation to every one of us uh, here. So you might want to think over the summer, number 11, to accept an invitation to belong. And then lastly, uh, you might have a vision that you uh, want to pursue. It might be a vision from a long time ago. Can you remember when you were young? and full of hope, no, just young, and uh, ready to take on the world, that there were some things in your heart that maybe you longed to do. And it might well be that the circumstances of life and uh, opportunity and timing seem to crush those and sweep them aside. And it may be in God's agenda, it's time to rediscover something of a vision that he placed in your heart a long time ago. I know, for example, with Elizabeth, with the time to sew, uh, she's not here uh, today for obvious reasons. Daughter got married yesterday. Um, uh, running a sewing cafe is a dream that she's held for a long time. Had no idea how that would come to birth. And then suddenly it did. Uh, and then there are others of us that perhaps aren't carrying things for a long time, but more recently we're, we're hearing a divine whisper, uh, a, a, a holy discontent is being stirred in us, which is why, uh, as you may have heard Sherry tell the story, I, I knocked on the door of that hostel because I was stirred in my heart about what was going 
on there. And all the different missional communities, in a way, tell a story of being uh, stirred. I'm sorry, the network has gone down, which is why I can't use my phone to see you. So Connor, for example, I remember the day he said to me, do you realize how many people walk past our church on a Sunday morning? I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, that's a little holy discontent. Sally goes. She was there. She's gone. Sally goes, I I, I can see how single parents are struggling. I can do something about that. Heather goes, this creativity is brilliant that we get our kids to do with craft and so on. What if we could use creative craft to build family with parents and children uh, together? Val and Francis and Elevenses go, well, what, what would it be like if we just created a space where people could gather with no real pressure? They could talk, they could have a drink, they could exchange some goods that might be helpful for their lives. What would it look like if we just started doing that kind of uh, thing? Uh, Sally said, wow. Get it? Sally said, wow, isn't pregnancy a special time for everybody? And thought, how can we help support people in that particular stage of their lives. Matt and Joe kind of went, well, our neighborhood looks kind of normal. The front doors are painted, the lawns are manicured, but we know that behind those front doors are the struggles of life. We think God's calling us and those that live around us to get involved in people's lives and and so on. And uh, I might have missed one or two out. I'm sorry if I have. Uh, But but all, all of them started like that. And maybe you can relate to something like those little beginnings. What would it look like if, or I'm really bothered about whatever it might be, and and God's beginning to stir something in your heart. But in the end, number 14, it means you have to believe that it could be you. What's that program? It could be you. Britain's Got Talent, X Factor. No, nobody watch any of those? No, they're just little sideshows, really, that our culture has not really embraced, so I can understand you having missed it. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. That's it, I think, probably. Where they go, it it could be you, or it's definitely not you. I think what we're saying as a church community, not only it could be you, it is you. It's all of us. All of us have got something to bring to the journey. God's working it all of us in different ways, different contexts, in different places. And what I'm urging you over these next weeks, perhaps as we change pace a little bit as a church through the summer, to think about what is God asking of me as a next step? Don't go for all 14. You'll be gone by the end of the week. But there's one there that I believe is for you. And if there's not one there that is for you, then make one up that's for you. Because God believes in you and we believe in one another. And as he begins slowly to turn us even more inside out, we will see more of his kingdom coming. Let's pray together.